Our text today came from Paul's letter to the Colossian church, and it was found in the third chapter and was read the 22nd through the 25th verses. And it reads as follows. Paul says, Slaves, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. On August 9th, 1974, many of you may know the date, maybe not, but it was the time where a United States president sent, handed in his resignation. He was toppled from the highest office in the land. Now, there were a number of people that were involved with bringing down this president. Just to give you a name of some of you, of course, Richard Nixon was the president. But when Richard Nixon had to resign in disgrace, we're told that he wrote best-selling books on foreign policy and ended up living his days as an elder statesman. Some of you may have heard of Washington reporters like Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein. They were celebrated in the movie All the President's Men, if you've never seen it. And today they continue to be featured on CNN as commentators and contributors to what's going on today in politics. Some of you may be familiar with the name Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson was one of President Nixon's henchmen. And while in prison, he found the Lord Jesus Christ. He later became one of the leading voices in evangelicalism. Many of you may even have heard of John Dean. If you watch CNN, you'll see John Dean. And John Dean, when he got out of prison, wrote a bestseller and is also today a contributor on CNN. And then finally, there's G. Gordon Liddy, who was the mastermind of the whole Watergate burglary, who has had his own nationally syndicated show for 20 years. But there is one person that many of you may not even know the name of. And this person, his name is Frank Wills. You see, Frank Wills was an $80 per week African-American security guard at the Watergate Hotel. And while he was working the graveyard shift one June 17, 1972, he noticed tape across the door latch and he removed it. When he again discovered the latch tape, he, a second time after his inspection, he immediately called the police and when they arrived, they caught five burglars who were stealing Democratic National Committee files. These arrests led to the biggest scandal in American history, which we know today as the Watergate scandal. But Frank didn't get any book deals, and no one wanted to do a movie on a security guard who was just doing his job. In fact, Frank did get a $2.50 raise from his security company, and he was allowed to play himself as a security guard in the movie. But that's about it. 
That's all the credit he got. And in fact, Bob Woodward is quoted as saying, Frank Wills was, was the only one who did his job exactly right. Calling the police was one of the most important phone calls in history. And it was so simple and so basic. Now, my purpose for sharing this little bit of history and story is not to imply that Frank should have gotten any special treatment for merely doing his job. But, but I want to make the salient point that when you have signed up to do something, you may not necessarily understand the implications of what it means later on. You see, just doing your job as a security guard, seeing what it led to the falling and toppling of a president. How many things are we doing right now today? Simple little things that we think means absolutely nothing, no one's going to care, but it has lifelong implications later on. And so it's with that in mind and in the context of our scripture that I want to preach today from the topic unsung. Unsung. As I thought about today and the fact that this was the last Sunday in the month that we celebrate black history, it made sense to me that with all that is happening around us, all the things that we see, whether it's police officers shooting unarmed black men or, or, or it's people calling police just because black folks are just doing, going about their regular business, all the things that we see going around us today, there is no more people in this world, in my mind, that are more qualified to take in on the title of being unsung like the African American. Sure, we have celebrated people who have made amazing accomplishments in various arenas in life, but the truth is, their celebrity, if it's not immediately recognized by the powers that be, they too run the risk of being relegated to the lowest rungs on society's ladders. Case in point, many of you probably have heard, even here in Mount Vernon a few weeks ago, that renowned R&B singer Jeff Redd was accosted by police as he was minding his own business in his car. If you never heard the story, listen, it didn't matter if Jeff Redd was a Grammy Award, American Music Award, Soul Train Award, Billboard Award winner who happened to be sitting in his car smoking his cigar and talking to his fiancée. All that matters is he was black and not in his place. Now I could tell you stories and stories upon black folks who, by virtue of the color of their skin, right, no matter what they have earned or did, or did in life, they still get treated as less than. We all heard the stories even about Oprah Winfrey when she went to buy a purse and this lady was what, saying to her, where was this, in Sweden or wherever it was, was saying, you know, as if she couldn't afford it. If I were Oprah, I'd buy the whole store and fire her. But that's just me. So my point is, is that we have to walk around day after day, seemingly pretending to not be ourselves just so we can make other people feel comfortable. I tell my daughter all the time, I say, listen, people don't get to tell you who you are. You tell people who you are. And you don't have to dumb down your intelligence so other people can feel comfortable. The idea of being unsung it's not really about being praised, but it's more so about not being recognized, acknowledged, or valued in a manner that is commensurate with your efforts or contributions to something noteworthy. It is the idea that what you bring to the table is either overlooked, ignored, or rejected. And this takes on particular significance if your being unsung is related to the color of your skin. Now, this is Black History Month and the last Sunday, so we got to talk about some of these things. 
It is one thing to be rejected because you gave the wrong information. It is one thing to be rejected because you had the wrong materials or, or, or rejected because you misunderstood some direction. It is one thing to be rejected because you're unqualified, but it's an entirely different thing to be rejected because of your complexion, which is something that you have absolutely no control over. How do you manage through that? We're forced to live in a society that we have bled and died. That still makes it seem like we owe people something. Listen, let me be very clear. The Bible says you are created in God's very image. You owe people nothing. What they get from you, they should rejoice and be glad. I'm just saying. I have a friend who sought my counsel a couple weeks ago as he prepared to deliver a eulogy for one of his Muslim brothers that was killed by police officers. The event was to be attended by the Reverend Al Sharpton and others, and he was asking me for some guidance on how to actually approach the eulogy. And I shared with him some of my thoughts. And um, when he came back, he came back and showed me pictures, and you know he was excited, but then he started to tell me a little bit about what he shared. One of the things he said to me which struck me and w which impacted me was he said this, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, he told the people, God did not consult him about how tall he should make him. He said, God did not seek his opinion on what family or where he should be born. He says he did not give God any input or feedback on what color his skin should be. Yet, you hate him for something that God did and for which he had no say. Think about that. People are hating us for what God did, for which we have no or had no say. It captures perfectly for me the idea of being unsung. Not because of our ability or our credibility, but simply because of the color of our skin. As people of faith, and especially as people of African descent in this nation, history may not write any lines about us. In fact, history may not know what to do with our story. But for us, and especially as people of faith, we know that it is his story and what God has to say about us that really, really matters. But be that as it may, there are many stories of people who are unsung in biblical history. This is true even when we consider people like Naaman's wife's Handmaid. You remember her? We preached on her a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago. Naaman's wife's handmaid, who encouraged Naaman to go and seek the prophet to be healed of his leprosy. And the Bible tells us of the great exploits of Naaman and how he was wonderfully healed. And after all of that, we never heard about that handmaid who has no name in the Bible. We also, in the season of Lent, are reminded about the thief even on the cross who said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Of course, Jesus gave him words of encouragement, but he's a no-name, a no-name in the Bible. And even if people had name, Rahab, the prostitute, who, who saved or hid the spies in Jericho. Remember her with the scarlet thread? No, 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 no major fanfare. But, but, but we also have Simon of Cyrene, who, remember, he was the one that was asked to carry the cross. No fanfare, but somehow these people are footnotes in the pages of biblical history. 
And so all of these people who, who made certain sacrifices for the cause of Christ, they're not lauded like a Paul or a Peter, but nonetheless, were their stories any less important? Right? None of us, not all of us here are going to be a Dr. Martin Luther King or a Malcolm X or a, or a Rosa Parks or a Gwen Eiffel, but it does, it does it mean that what we bring to the table is, no, is any less important? So my point is really that I want you to understand that your life as well as the lives of all of these people were significant to God or God would not have made you. If you don't serve a purpose in the kingdom of God, then believe me, you would not be so what are we to make of all of this, Pastor? And how does this apply to us? Well, let's look carefully again at our text. Paul says, slaves, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth. Now let me stop right there for a moment. This is an interesting word that the apostle uses here, especially in the black church. What on earth does Paul mean by slaves? Is, is, is the Bible condoning slavery? You've all heard the stories before because the truth of the matter is this text, this same text is the same text that white slave owners use in order to justify keeping people enslaved. They use the power of the scriptures to appeal to the inner sensibilities of a people who believed and revered and knew their God. But I'm telling you that Paul did not mean slaves the way that we understand slaves in this country. Here, let me be clear. When we hear the term slave, what comes to our mind is the characteristics of an individual that is of limited intellectual capacity and whose nature is servitude in the same way that you may talk about an animal, an ox, or a donkey. In other words, a beast of burden. When, 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 when slave masters and slaveholders talked about you and our ancestors, they were talking about us as if we were cattle. Beasts of burden. And so, and so they, don't, they, they were born to do this. And even when there was a constitutional convention and there was argument about voting and when they were ready to divvy up, what did they make us? Every five slaves, you can only count three. What happens to the other two? What are they? So my point is, there was a time in this country and in this nation where you just, you, first of all, you had to fight for your dignity to be recognized even as a human being. I mean, I have a, I have a dog at home, Tina. And, and, and I wouldn't dare imagine try to teach my dog how to read. Let alone, so, so when they say, listen, it's illegal for you to teach these slaves to read, what are you telling me? That I'm nothing more than a dog. But that's how it was. Paul did not talk about slaves in that way. Paul used it in a socioeconomic context. What do I mean by that? It means that you were a slave in the time of Paul if you are indebted to someone else. If I owe someone something and I can't pay it off, I can give them my servitude for a time. When the time is up, then I am free. As a matter of fact, Paul uses the term bondservant in the same way he uses the term slave. In other words, he's not talking about your character as a person. He's talking about your economic status. And it's a difference because you have to understand it. And so, and so I want you to realize that Paul himself, when you read the book of Romans, even in Philippians, Paul called himself and Timothy slaves. To who? To Jesus Christ. 
Does it mean that Paul, you, 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 you are, you, you, you have limited intelligence? And, and you are an animal or a beast of burden to Christ? No, what Paul is saying, I, Paul, a slave, bondservant of Jesus Christ, is saying that, Lord, I have a debt to you that I can never pay. So therefore, I will spend the rest of my days, the rest of my life working in your glory, for I can't pay you for what you did for me on Calvary's tree. See, it's a debt that was owed. Very, very different. So Paul is saying, let this mind be in you who was like Christ, who came from majesty, but made himself obedient unto death, even death on a cross, and came as a slave. Jesus said what? If any of you desires to be great, let him first be your what? Servant. So Paul is not saying slaves in the way that we understand slavery. So... What I want you to understand, we all have different stations in life. Some of us are where we would like to be at this day and this stage in our life, and some of us are not. Some of us thought that we'd be in different places, maybe in a castle on a hill somewhere when you were dreaming as a child. But whatever your dreams may have been at this time, where you are right now, we all have different stations in life. And our different station in life is not a reflection of your character. Most of us think that because I may not have the education I want or I may not have the life I want, then I am less than. The devil is a liar. Your character has nothing to do with your station in life. But while you yet have your station in life, Paul is saying, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for people. Yes, I may be a janitor today, but guess what? I am a child of the king. Yes, I may be a school teacher today, but guess what? I'm a child of the king. And God, listen, God help those who are in powers of authority presidents and otherwise, who think that they got that simply because they are that good. Listen, for he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done. Watch this. And that without partiality. In other words, devil, God is no respecter of person. So you can think you're high and mighty. You can think you're all that and a bag of chips. But believe me, you rather, you'd be better off humbling yourself than to have God himself humble you. There are many a people who are laying in beds right now that their money can't help them. There are many people right now who think that, you know, they had acquired all of this wealth and they've got all this good reputation and all of this good name. But listen, one bed of affliction and you quickly will start crying out to the God you think you are bigger than. So I'm saying to you, as children, spouses, citizens, and or bondservant or slave in the context of Paul, you have full opportunity right now to live a holy, spiritual life. But I tell you, this nation, and I say it all more, this nation has to one day come to grips with the atrocity of slavery. One day, they will have to take full credit and responsibility for how the majority of the wealthy in this nation has benefited and continues to benefit 
from the unjust practice of slavery. The time is coming. Listen, God does not sleep nor slumber. And listen, people can say anything they want and, and that, oh, it wasn't my, I didn't do it. It was people before me. You can say anything you want, but as long as you benefited from something on the back of someone else where you took advantage of a people, there will be, and I am not stuttering, hell to pay. The Church of England has started. The Church of England has started. They're starting to take full responsibility for their role in the slave trade. You see, God has a way of moving. And I'm telling you right now, I don't know if I'm speaking prophetically or not, but I'm telling you, the nation, this nation has but a few more times left before God says enough is enough. Ecclesiastes warns us, for every time, there is a season. Seasons come and seasons go. You need to understand that while you may struggle through the winter, the spring is coming. Then it will be the summer and then the fall. So everything that we see right now and that we enjoy right now is only for a season and a time. And God is the great judge. So I'm hanging on and I'm praying for this nation. We pray for this nation. But there's a time when it's going to come where the judge must judge. So going back to the text, you know, and I, and I want to say this. I do want to say this before we wrap it up. As long as the well-to-do in this country continue to perpetuate a stereotype that served to link the racist view that a black person is limited in their ability to be effective contributors to the success of this or any other society and to link that view to the character of a person, then we will continue to experience the pain of living unsung lives. And furthermore, because I ain't letting us off the hook either, furthermore, as long as we, as a people of African descent, continue to function in a manner that serve to delegitimize the dignity of our ancestry and our forebears by promoting in movies, music, and on social media the very culturally destructive terms and epithets that give power to our opposition that shame on us. And we deserve to continue to live unsung lives. If we are doing it ourselves, then shame on us. And I like the words of Elijah Cumming, the late Elijah Cumming. What did he say? We are better than this. So, going back to our text. Slaves, in all things obey those who are your masters and are. Not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily. As for the Lord, rather than for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Or for he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Jesus understood what it meant to be unsung. Leaving the majesty of heaven and coming down to this earth to become enslaved to sinful man, Jesus, we are told in Philippians, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The example of Jesus' life is that while others may not really know your true value or your true worth, God knows it. And if God knows your value and your worth, then it means that God is the only one, as I said before, who can really be your judge. Far too many of us are living in a manner where we're seeking praise from presidents. You don't want him to tweet about you. 
So you curry favor. Seeking praise from presidents and, and bishops and pastors and bosses. But the scriptures is clear that if their praise is what you seek, then you will have already gotten your reward. Jesus says, whoever wants to be great among you must first be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So I don't know what the challenges that you face today. I don't know. And I don't know if you're struggling with feeling validated for who you are as a person. You may feel today that you don't have the level of education that you wanted, or the job that you wanted, or the lifestyle that you dreamed of, or even the accomplishments that you had hoped for in this stage of your life. But here is what I know. Here is what I know. I know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that you're a child of God created in his image. I know that you are the apple of his eye. I, I, I know that you are a chosen people, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I know that you are God's special possession. And, 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 and I know that he bled and died for you because you are worth it. So because I know all of this to be true, then as Paul tells us, church, whatever you do, do it heartily, knowing that it is from the Lord that you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for it is the Lord that you serve. And, and, and if you can remember this, then my brothers and sisters, just as the Lord hath highly exalted Jesus and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue should confess of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Then, and only then, your name will never be forgotten and you will be unsung no more. I don't know what you heard. The devil does not have to fight you or destroy you if you are doing it yourself already. If you are telling yourself that you are nothing and that you are less than and what you are doing in God's kingdom does not matter, then listen to me. Let me be clear. The devil has already won. If you can get the attitude in your heart that no matter what you are doing in your life right now, if you are doing it and consecrating it as a holy unto the Lord, believe me, God will bless it. God will honor everything that you put your hands to if you make it about him and not you. You are important to God. And if our people are going to be any different, if we're going to be able to experience any change in this life, then it's important that you understand first that you are important to God. You matter. You matter to God. 